This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man walah. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we thank Him for having given us this beautiful month of Ramadan. And we thank Him for giving us still a few more days of the month of Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from among those who earn forgiveness in this beautiful month of Ramadan. My brothers and sisters, we also send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, all his companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of them and may He bless every one of us too and our offspring, those to come up to the end. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep them steadfast on the straight path, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. Ameen. My brothers and sisters, a narration of Sahih Muslim, as well as Sunan al-Tirmidhi, narration by Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he says that the people of Mecca constantly asked Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for some sign. They said, we want to see a sign. And one of those signs that they requested was that the mount of Safa become gold. And another sign they requested was that he did something for them to prove that he was a messenger. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had responded to tell them that some of these signs, if they were to come, and still people did not accept, then perhaps the wrath of Allah and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would definitely descend quite quickly. However, there was a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that was that he pointed towards the moon and the moon split into two and later on came together. It is reported that to this day, science has discovered a crack in the moon. Allah knows best, but it is there. Still, those who have got to the moon, if they have got to the moon, subhanallah, they would be able to bring back for us this information. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the iman and the conviction. For indeed, Allah says in the opening verses of the surah named after the moon, Indeed, the hour has come near and the moon has been split. The moon has been split. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whenever a sign comes to them, they then say, this is magic. So they are the ones who ask for the sign. And when it comes, they say, no, that's magic. So what do you want? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Whenever we see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our own lives, let us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For indeed, these signs will keep on appearing day to day in our own lives. We will see so many things which are personal signs, which means Allah is delivering a message for me and for you. Sometimes a person sees a dream. And yes, we know that when it comes to dreams, we should not be getting too excited about a dream. A dream in a lot of cases is just the sixth sense. Perhaps some, something that you may have been thinking about, you may have come across and you dream about it. Something you're worried about. Some people become so obsessed with their dreams that they think that every single dream has a meaning. The reality is very few of these dreams would actually have meaning. But at the same time, if there was a meaning to any dream, it would only be for us. And it would be for us to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to become more distant from the devil. This is the primary aim of a good dream. 
It's to draw us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So remember, no matter what you've seen in terms of a dream, do not become so obsessed as though somebody is trying to give you revelation. Because indeed, revelation stopped with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is a message indeed, if it is a good message, or sometimes it may be a bad dream. What we are taught regarding nightmares is to say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, seek Allah's protection from the accursed, the devil, and perhaps sleep on the other side. Maybe if we could spit onto the left side, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the fulfillment of the sunnah and the practice of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, perhaps give out a little charity or two. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So the point being raised is the signs that come into my own life and to yours, let's not ignore them. If they are for us to draw closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will indeed be asked. Sometimes it's a sickness, sometimes it's a loss, sometimes it's an accident, sometimes it's profit, it's gain. Something you've really been praying to Allah for. And suddenly the doors open and it happens for you. Is that the moment when you forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If that's the case, you failed your test. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the fulfillment of the duas that we make that are good for us. Ameen. Then we have a beautiful incident displaying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually listens to everyone and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolutely aware of every single detail within his own creation. There was a narration or there is a narration of Aisha radiallahu anha reported by Ibn Majah as well as Al-Hakim and Al-Imam Ahmad. She says that there was a woman by the name of Khawla binti Ta'laba who was married to a certain man and they had some children, she was married for quite a while, she became old and subhanallah gained a little bit of weight, perhaps no longer looking as young and pretty as she was the days she was married. And the husband refused to fulfill her conjugal rights. And the husband says, you know what, you just like my mother. You know, it sounds like a light statement, but wallahi in the eyes of Allah, it is a dangerous, detrimental statement. It can actually destroy a marriage and it can destroy a person's link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not hurt the feelings of the vulnerable who live with you. Those who are weak, those whom perhaps are under your authority, those whom you are supposed to be looking after, and you are silently harassing them, you are troubling them, you are uttering words to them that are hurtful. You don't know Allah is watching, Allah hears everything. So the lady comes to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and says, Oh messenger, this is what my husband said. I spent time with him, I sacrificed and so on. Now, no fulfillment of my conjugal rights. And he's saying, no, you're just like a mother. You can stay here and that's it. I won't touch you as such. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously revealed verses. But Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa heard the complaint and he wanted to give her some advice. And he tried his best to gain a little bit of time in order to try and explain to her what exactly or how exactly she should continue with the relationship and so on. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the opening verses of Surah Al-Mujadilah. Al-Mujadilah or Al-Mujadalah. Both are correct. Mujadilah meaning the woman who came to you presenting her argument. And Al-Mujadalah means the argument itself that was presented. What was the argument? We've just heard about it. To say, what should I do? This is a man. I'm neither married nor am I not married. He's just keeping me dangling. And he's uttered the statement here. He doesn't want to fulfill my rights. I haven't done anything wrong. So Allah says, قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّتِي تُجَادِلُكَ فِي زَوْجِهَا وَتَشْتَكِي إِلَى اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ يَسْمَعُ تَحَاوْرَكُمَا Allah has heard the statement of the one 
who has come to you to present her argument, complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah has heard the discussion between the two of you. And indeed Allah is all hearing, all wise. Subhanallah. Allah is all watchful. Aisha radiallahu anha says, I could not hear what she said. But later on we found out what happened because Allah revealed so many verses explaining that if a person utters this type of statement, they must pay a penalty. And that penalty is very severe. They should fast for 60 consecutive days unless they freed a slave or unless they have engaged in certain acts of worship in order to earn the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that is not just the oppression of an individual, but it is usurping the rights of that individual. And it is transgressing against the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you to look after those who are under your authority, starting with your own spouses and your children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the best of husbands and may He make us the best of wives. Wallahi, that comes but with a struggle. There is an effort required. Without an effort, you will not be able to be the best man or the best woman to your own spouse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. Then we have Surah Al-Hashr. Surah Al-Hashr where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the qualities of the Ansar. The Ansar were those who lived in Medina Munawwara. And you know there was a hijrah that took place where the population, the Muslim population of Mecca left Mecca because they were persecuted and driven out of Mecca to Al-Mukarramah. And they were arriving in Medina Munawwara. Today perhaps people would, like you know, turn them away. These are refugees, asylum seekers. Don't let the ship dock because we are too clean to allow these people to come and dock on our lands. And some might allow it to say, no problem, humanitarian grounds, we will allow them. But sometimes they are kept in tents and they are kept in conditions that are not befitting a human being. We ask Allah to make it easy. A lot of these asylum seekers happen to be Muslimin who are persecuted on lands, not allowed to read their salah or fast, not allowed to even be Muslim. And then they depart in order to seek a place where at least they can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This crisis was averted when it came to the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because the solution that was prophetic was that every family in Medina Munawwara takes one family from Makkah to Al-Mukarramah. Problem solved, subhanallah. If they were 10,000 here, they ate up the 10,000 without anyone knowing that there is a problem. No deficit, subhanallah. So if there were a hundred thousand and these were a hundred thousand, they came in each one took in one family. May Allah grant us ease. Today we cannot live with our own parents. Forget about a strange family. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us open our hearts and minds. May Allah help us become people who are tolerant on both sides. Sometimes the parents make it difficult for their children to look after them. My beloved parents of old age, make it easy for your sons and daughters to look after you. Do not be people who are very demanding and very interfering in every aspect of the lives of your daughters-in-law. Amen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all. It's a reality. It's important for us to know that the problem is sometimes twofold. Yes, people complain that my children are not looking after me. Now I'm old. But my beloved father, perhaps you are a person who's very difficult to get along with. Learn how to live with people. Learn to become easygoing. Don't be too demanding. Don't be too interfering. When you want to correct, correct with goodness. And understand that that is your uh, responsibility from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah grant us goodness and may He make us the best of people. May He make it easy for others to get along with us in a way that we do not compromise the deen 
but at the same time we develop our character and conduct. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes a certain condition, a certain situation that took place amongst the Ansar. Once Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had a visitor and he called out to, to his people, to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum saying, I have this visitor, who from amongst you is going to host this guest of mine tonight? So one of the Ansar immediately, he was a poor man, he said, I will host. And he knew he didn't have anything, but he wanted to host. So he took the man home in order to be fed in the evening. And he told his wife, prepare something to eat. She says, we don't have anything. He says, no problem. The little bit that we do have for the children, what you do is let the children sleep. Pretend like you are cooking and let them sleep while they are waiting for the food. And in the meantime, we will ensure or make sure that this guest of ours does not notice that there is not much food. So we will eat together and I will pretend to be eating with him. And what you do is the lamp that we have, which shows what's going on. We pretend like something's gone wrong with it. So it will turn off. Here in South Africa, you won't have to do that. I think the load shedding will help you. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. <laughs> so they turned off that lamp and they, the man was pretending to be eating and ensured that the food was eaten by the guest. And later on, subhanallah, they did not eat, but the guest had eaten and he had a good time, mashallah. In the morning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he knew what had happened. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed verses, the verses of Surah Al-Hashr, verse number 9. It's a long verse where Allah describes the good qualities of the Ansar. And Allah says, they love those who have made hijrah. Those who have come to them, they are loved by the Ansar. And these Ansar, the qualities that they have, they give preference over themselves to others even regarding things that they themselves desperately need, they are prepared to give it up in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many of us prepared to give up? Not what we need, what is excess, what is unnecessary, what is over and above our need. That too we are weak. We feel miserly. We become very, very attached to our, our items, our belongings. We don't even want to give that which we haven't used in two whole years in terms of clothing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us go back and look at our closets, our cupboards, and perhaps remove just the clothing that we haven't used for a year, two years, and put a smile on someone's face this Eid, inshallah. I hope that clothing is cut in a way that if a sister wears it, she will not have to engage in tawbah thereafter. My mothers and sisters, it's important for us to dress appropriately. And when we donate clothing, make sure it is clothing that is appropriate and fit to be worn by others without earning the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah grant us ease. So this is a quality that we learn from. Then we have Surah Al-Jumu'ah. Surah Al-Jumu'ah is named after the Friday prayer. And in it, there is an instruction to leave all business dealings once the call for the Friday prayer is made. It is prohibited for a person who is supposed to be at the Jumu'ah to continue doing business dealings. Yes, those who are not meant to be there, not supposed to be there, perhaps they may continue. But when it comes to the males who are meant to be there, the Muslimin who are upright, they're meant to be at the masjid. Once the call is called, you are meant to make haste to the house of Allah. So there was an incident that is made mention of muttafaqun alayh, hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu. He says that there was a time when a certain a uh, number of containers had come through from Asham. I'm calling them containers, but they were some camels that had come. 
and it was a caravan came with merchandise at the time of Jum'ah it landed and there were some commodities for sale and so some of the companions happened to get up and walk towards the caravan in order to achieve something in order to buy and sell something and they left Muhammad addressing the people in terms of the khutbah and the sermon there were only 12 people remaining you know the top of the sahaba radiallahu anhum they were remaining so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses that have taught us a beautiful lesson and before I read this verse let me inform you my brothers and sisters a Friday should be a day when from early in the morning we are conscious of the fact that today is a Friday not because it's a weekend not because we're going to go out on Saturday and Sunday but because we are meant to be at the house of Allah on time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not ask you much. Take a look at people of other faiths. Wallahi, they will go to their churches and synagogues and places of worship for hours on end, a few times a week. And they won't even mind. They will look forward to it with us. Wallahi, that khutbah does not take longer than half an hour. And we find ourselves dilly-dallying, rushing last minute. And we are the first people out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Take your time. Did you know there is a competition on a Friday where the angels are at the doors of all the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are writing down who came first, who came second. Your number is actually written. Can't we come out first once in our lives? Why is it we last every single time? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So Allah says, وَإِذَا رَأَوْ تِجَارَةً أَوْ فَضُّوا إِلَيْهَا وَتَرَكُوكَ قَائِمًا When they see or when they saw the business deal or some form of amusement, they hastened towards it and left you standing. And Allah says, قُلْ مَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهْوِ وَمِنَ التِّجَارَةِ Tell them, that which is with Allah is better than this past time and business. Get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What Allah has in store for you is far better than anything else. You know the hadith I made mention of a few minutes ago regarding the angels taking names one by one. The hadith says, فَإِذَا خَرَجَ الْإِمَامُ طَوَوْ صُحُفَهُمْ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الذِّكْرِ once the imam comes out and he greets the people in order to start delivering the khutbah, the angels close their books and they come to listen also. So that means anyone who came after that, perhaps they may be fulfilling that Jumu'ah to a certain extent, but their name will not be written in that book of records that the angels have. Subhanallah. May Allah forgive us. And this is why make sure that on a Friday we arrive early and we sit for a few moments perhaps with some Voluntary prayer, perhaps with some tilawa of the Quran and so on. Then we have Surah Al-Muddathir, a surah that is named after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One of his names, Al-Muddathir, the one who is enveloped in garments. Why is it called this? Because when Jibreel alayhi salatu wasallam first came with revelation, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He ran down the mountain and he went to Khadija bint Khuwaylid radiallahu anha and he told her, Zammiluni, Zammiluni. He felt cold and he said, cover me, cover me. And so she covered her, she covered him. And another term for covering is Dathiruni, which means cover me as well, to be enveloped. So Allah says thereafter, and this is a narration, Muttafaqun alayhi, also of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu. He speaks of it. He says, Allah addressed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after some time. 
telling him to get up and to warn the people, to inform them that he is the messenger. Initially was the prophethood. And thereafter came the instruction to get up and inform the others. Ya al-muddathir, O you who is enveloped in garments. Qum Get up and warn the people. Wa rabbaka fakabbir. And declare the praise of your Lord. And cleanse your clothing. And leave all that which is impure in terms of acts of worship as well as any other form of impurity. And do not brag about the goodness that you've done to others in order to achieve something more, something greater. You know, some people, they do good to you. And they remind you up to your deathbed. You know, you survived only because of me. I helped you with five rands once when you were 10 years old. Please relax. May Allah forgive us. People have this habit. This is haram. It's not allowed. You are reducing or destroying or nullifying the reward of a charity by bragging about it, continuing to mention it. So what? You could have given him a gold mine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you with another two inshallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bear patience for your Lord. For the sake of Allah, bear patience. This is a powerful message for us all. We all need to call towards goodness. And we all need to bear patience when it comes to adopting the instructions of Allah. These instructions and commands are not easy to fulfill. You know, we are actually living in something known as a test for believers. We call it life. It's a test for believers. One of the points of evidence that this is actually a test. Have you ever thought of the fact that those things that are good for you, we normally feel lazy to fulfill them. Our bodies don't want to do them sometimes. And that which is bad for you, detrimental for you, we are quick to do it. Starting from food, subhanallah. The food which is very bad for you, we want to eat. You know, in this part of the world, they say just chow. Have you heard that? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Just eat. But when it comes to disciplined eating, it becomes difficult. You want to achieve, you need to be disciplined. Wallahi, my brothers and sisters, we are more prepared to be disciplined in our food, only to have a better body for a little while, than to be disciplined for the sake of Allah, to have a better hereafter for eternity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who can bear patience. When we get up for Salatul Fajr, we dress appropriately. We abstain from foul language. We abstain from prohibition. We abstain from haram, pornography, gambling, whatever else it is. Drugs, alcohol, anything that earns the wrath of Allah. We stay away from it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's move on. Surah Al-Mutaffifun. It is reported in a hadith narrated by Ibn Majah as well as in Sunan al-Nasai of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu that when the Prophet sallallahu came to Medina Munawwara many of the people used to cheat when it came to business what type of cheating? you know they used to weigh whether it was the wheat, the dates whatever else it was the barley whatever else it was when they used to weigh they used to short change the people so they would take to the full measure and they would give Something short, because perhaps the weight on one side was already, you know, it had a head start. Perhaps it started already at 10 grams, 20 grams. So you are cheating by 10 or 20 grams. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses. Destruction to those who cheat or who short change in business. And the verses continue. There is a whole surah. 
And the Prophet ﷺ read these verses and the people of Medina took heed. And you know what? They changed their ways and habits and they became people who were upright. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ made dua for barakah in the measurements of Medina Munawwara to this day. You go to Medina Munawwara, Alhamdulillah, you will find a lot of barakah and blessings in the dates that you may purchase from there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us barakah and blessings in everything we do. Remember the lesson we learn from this is in our own lives, never cheat in business, never cheat someone, never shortchange them. It may not be weighing, it may be something else. You promise a person upon the sale of a vehicle, you know what, this vehicle's never been involved in an accident, but you know that you just penalbeated it. Why? What, wallahi, the money you're going to get from that will come without blessing. Void of all forms of barakah and blessings. Don't cheat. Be honest. The hadith says, فَإِن صَدَقَ وَبَيَّنَا بُورِكَ لَهُمَا فِي بَيْعِهِمَا When the two people buying and selling are honest and open, clear, transparent, Allah will grant them blessings in that deal of theirs. But if they are not, then the barakah and the blessings are snatched away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us honest and upright business people. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and grant us beautiful sustenance that will be a means of our entry into paradise. Amen. Then we have Surah Al-Duha. I'm sure we all know it off by heart, or a lot of us would know it off by heart. We read it this evening in Salatul Taraweeh. In the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of something very, very powerful. And I invite you to read this surah as well as the next one. It is called Al-Sharh or Alam Nashrah. So you have Al-Duha, which is known as Wal-Duha, Wal-Layli Ida Saja. And the next surah, which is Alam Nashrah, Laka Sadrak. I invite you to read these surahs with the English meaning in order to see how powerful they are when a person is in distress and how Allah is comforting Muhammad by telling him something, a message that every one of us needs. Do you want to hear it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is a hadith of Jundub ibn Sufyan, muttafaqun alayhi. He says, Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, he took a bit of time to come with revelation in the beginning. So revelation had come and then there was a pause for a time. And during this pause, you know, the mushrikeen happened to make statements and various people said so many things. And some people said, oh, you know what? Uh, this angel has now abandoned Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when the next time Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam came, Surah Al-Duha was revealed. And Allah says, verse number three of that surah, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَىٰ your Rabb, your Lord has not abandoned you, nor does he detest you. He's not detested you. He does not dislike you. He's not angry with you. And he has not abandoned you. The fact that there was a delay in revelation does not mean that Allah hates you, dislikes you, does not love you, has abandoned you. And Allah says later on, very soon your Lord will give you so much until you are absolutely pleased. My brothers and sisters, the message is for myself and yourselves. In life, we make dua, we call out to Allah. And sometimes what we want does not happen immediately. So we begin to think, Allah has abandoned me. Allah didn't listen to me. Perhaps Allah doesn't like me. Perhaps he's detested me. Perhaps he's angry with me. But I am asking Allah's forgiveness every day. Wait, when the time is right, even if it means 10 years from now, then it will come. And if Allah knows it's not good for you, he did not abandon you. He's not giving it to you because he knows it will be damaging for you. That's Allah's blessing. So don't think because you don't have what you want, that the one who owns 
the giving is upset with you. Don't think that, not even for a moment. That's actually shaitan coming to you. Yes, we should be checking ourselves. Is my life in order? Am I reading my salah? Am I on the right page, inshallah, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Meaning, am I doing that which will earn the pleasure of Allah? If you are trying and you are seeking forgiveness and you are a person who's really calling out to Allah with a soft heart, don't think for a moment that Allah has abandoned you. He knows best when to give you what you want. And if He knows He won't, He won't. And Allah says, soon He will give you so much, you will be happy. Did you know that whenever you call out to Allah, that, uh, that prayer is always answered, always, in one of a few ways. One of them, He gives you what you want immediately there and now. Allahu Akbar. There and then. The other is He delays it and gives you a little bit later on. And the other is He replaces it with one of two things. Either He removes from your life a difficulty that you may have been destined to face. But at the same time, He removed it because of your dua. Or sometimes he gives you something else in return. Or he holds it and gives you in the hereafter something really grand and great in return for all the du'as you used to make. So much so, I can just imagine a person arriving on the day of judgment and he sees heaps of very, very good deeds and heaps of everything he wants in Jannah. And he is told, you know what? This was all the dua and the supplications you made to us that we did not give you in the world. We kept it in store for you here in paradise. Wouldn't you like that? Subhanallah. Still, I remember speaking to a young man. He said, no, no, no. I want what I'm asking for here. Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant us ease and iman and goodness. And yes, you must make your dua and you must continue passionately calling out to Allah without losing hope regarding what you want for as long as it's something permissible. That itself is part of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we have the last part of the Qur'an. And inshallah, I will end with these two. This, as you know, being the last episode of this beautiful uh, Ramadan that we've had in this beautiful masjid here in Midland. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from us. And indeed, it has been a really great Ramadan. We ask Allah to protect us from shaitan. Let's listen to these last two surahs of the Qur'an. A lot of us would know them off by heart. They are called Al-Mu'awwidatan, the two surahs of protection. Why are they called that of protection? Let's listen to the hadith. There are so many narrations explaining this. Some of them are muttafaqun alayh. And some of them narrated only by Imam Bukhari, like the narration of Aisha radiallahu anha. The others, a narration of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anha. What I've done is taken all these narrations and I will give you the story. At the time of Rasulullah sallallahu there was a Jewish servant of his who had taken some of his hair and taken some of the teeth of the comb that he was using in by the instruction of some of the other people from amongst the Jewish people who had intended to cast a spell on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they took it, they took 11 of these uh, teeth of the comb and they tied his hair and they blew in it and did whatever they wanted to and they, they, they put it in a certain well under a certain rock. And it resulted in Rasulullah sallallahu struggling as a result. Obviously he was a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It did not affect revelation in the sense that nothing wrong happened. But this only occurred in order for us as an ummah to learn a lesson how to protect yourselves from the devil. So people ask sometimes, why did this happen to Muhammad He was perfect, but Allah says he was an example for you to follow. In order to be an example for you and I to follow, Allah made him go through certain things that he did not deserve to go through. But in order for that to be a lesson for us to say that you as an ummah, if you follow him to the T, you will be able to achieve the protection from the same devils who tried to harm him. 
sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that was the beauty of it. It's not that there was anything wrong. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all a deeper understanding. The status of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is too high for us to utter words of disrespect. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So he could see certain things and it affected him in a certain way. And this lasted a whole month. And in some, according to some narrations, a few more months. Some take it as far as six months. And in the interim, he was quite ill and sick. And Aisha radiallahu anha says, one day, Allah sent to him two angels. One at his feet and one at his blessed head. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The one asks the other, what is wrong with him? So the other says, there is a spell that has been cast on him, which means magic. Matbubun, that's the word used. Magic. So the first one says, who did it? So the name comes about, and this is obviously by revelation. The name of the person was Labid ibn al-A'sam al-Yahudi. And so he says, what did he do? So the other angel answers and he says, he took 11 strands of hair or the hair of Muhammad and tied them on 11 of the teeth of the comb and placed them under the rock in a in the pit of a well known as Darwan, Bi'ri Darwan. So what is the solution? In the meantime, verses of the Quran were revealed. Rasulullah sallallahu sent some of his companions to that well. At the pit of the well, he told them, you will find this, this, this. They found it, they brought it back to him exactly as was described. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed 11 verses. The first were the verses of Surat, uh, the first surah and then the next surah. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ That is Suratul Falak. And then قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ That is Suratul Nas. The total of 11 verses between the two surahs. As he read one verse, he released one knot. He read another verse, he released another knot. By the time he completed all 11 verses, he had released all the knots and he was completely and totally cured. And this was taught to us from that day that if you would like protection from anything superstitious, the devils, the evil eye, no matter what it is, you need to read in advance. Don't wait for something to happen. Read in advance every morning and evening. These two surahs, Falak and Nas, thrice each, morning and evening, no matter what, every single day of your life. And it will result in a metal armor around you. You add to that what is known as Ayatul Kursi. I'm sure you would know what I'm speaking about. Certain verses of... Uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us all. Remember, prevention is better than cure. You need to be a pure person. You need to be reading early morning and every evening without being lazy. And you will be protected. Then, if something happens to you, go and seek medical attention inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open your doors and mine. May Allah protect us all. Let me go through the meaning of these beautiful verses because we know the Arabic. Let me go through the English in order for us to appreciate what is being said. Say, I seek refuge in the Lord of daybreak from the evil of that which he created and from the evil of darkness when it settles and from the evil of the blowers in knots and from the evil of an envier when he envies. Subhanallah, that's one surah, Surah Al-Falaq. Then we have Surah Al-Nas. Say, I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind, the sovereign of mankind, the God of mankind, from the evil of the retreating whisperer 
who whispers evil into the breasts of man from amongst jinn kind as well as mankind. Subhanallah. So we are asking Allah's protection and we repeating these statements thrice, morning and evening. And that is how, inshallah, we will achieve protection. Remember, these are simple, beautiful, melodious verses of the Quran that are revealed right at the end of the Quran. It's important for us to memorize them and inshallah to repeat them on a daily basis with conviction. Go through the meanings and inshallah, don't forget, like I said, the two surahs, Al-Duha and Al-Sharh. Remember to go through the meanings. Inshallah, it will bring about a lot of comfort just by knowing what Muhammad went through and the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him as well as for every single one of us. May Allah accept this entire month of Ramadan from us and whatever we have forwarded for his sake. And may Allah forgive our shortcomings and errors and mistakes for indeed we are human. Any error we've made is from us and shaitan and anything we've uttered upright is solely and only from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu. We like.